Hi, I'm Andy Nielsen, and this is my new podcast. Each week, we ask a guest about their book, album, game, or film collection, delving into the stories behind the items. This is Physical Goods. My guest this week is Megan Page. Among being an avid vinyl collector and reader, also manages Record Store Day here in the UK. Who best to talk about their love of the tangible? Our conversation was recorded remotely in early January 2021. I don't really want to do like an official... So I'm here with... Uh... <laughs> oh, go <come> on. <laughs> <laughs> now I can do all that offline, you know? Yeah, of course you can. You don't need me for that bit. <laughs> also, I didn't really want this to like be about the lockdown because I don't know about you, but I've listened to so many podcasts and all they talk about is the lockdown and it's just... They age really quickly as well. I think now when I go back and listen to podcasts, like, cause I quite like going back and listen to like Adam Buxton and stuff, but I, I can't listen to any of them that were recorded now between like March last year and September because all they want to talk about is lockdown. And I'm like, I'm so done with it. I don't want to hear anyone else talk about it. I want to listen to things that are not to do with it. hundred percent. That's exactly my thing. So I guess the, the one question I'll ask you is how is, how, how are you doing at the moment in, in lockdown three? Yeah, I mean, I'm surviving. <laughs> I I have nothing really major to complain about in terms of, you know, what's going on in the world. But I mean, yeah, it's boring, but stir crazy, cabin fever, all the usual things that everyone's feeling, but ultimately fine. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's good to hear. Well, that's it. Um, we're done with lockdown chat. So. <laughs> so let's start by first talking about books. Roughly, how many books do you think you own? I would probably say maybe... Uh, a hundred or so uh, but I don't know if I've grossly over or underestimated that because I've never actually sat and thought about it and collected them and I do have quite a few on my Kindle still as well and that is mostly just because of space like being in London I've had to move quite a few times because probably as everyone who lives and rents in London knows that the housing market is so unstable and you sometimes you don't know for one month to the next when you're going to be kicked out or have you know horrible housemates or whatever so I kind of got to a point where I felt like I have reached my limit of how many books and records I can own and still make moving house a viable option for myself. Um, but we've got quite a lot downstairs, quite a lot in my room, but I have started using my Kindle sometimes for things. Um, but then sometimes with my Kindle, I will I will read something. And if I really love it, I'm like, well, I have to buy it, even if I'm not actually going to read that that book. I just, because I feel like I'm a fraud of a fan if I have read it on the Kindle and I haven't actually got it. So sorry, in answer to your question, I reckon I've got about 100. No, I totally agree with your first point that it's the best way to kind of compliment something you like, uh, compliment the author or the artist is to own it in that premium format, right? And I think as well, I quite like, I feel like when I look at my books, well, my records, I feel like it's a kind of reflection of me as a person as well. Like I can see parts of me in all of these but I've got you know I read like a lot of music books autobiographical music books and fiction which are all kind of you know generally kind of around the similar kinds of themes so I feel like I can I like being able to see them in real life and know that the little parts of me are like on my bookshelf as well you know no I think I think a lot of people would agree with you on that I certainly do 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 you keep them are they sort of scattered around the country almost, your collection, or are they all in one place at the moment? Mm, they're all in this house. I had to move out all of my stuff from my parents' house, to be honest, like a few years ago. So I had to really 
think about what well, I just put them all in a suitcase actually and just brought them all here I have been thinking about whether I should maybe take some to a charity shop or or set up some kind of book exchange or something on the street what's that because it is getting a little bit out of hand with in terms of space but I don't know they make me feel good I don't want to get rid of them I feel like they've got their little personalities and I don't know how I would explain to like these books like I'm sorry <laughs> I just don't want you anymore <laughs> I'm giving you away. Oh, it's like giving up you know, a puppy or something. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> so if we can um, cast your mind back, and, and don't worry if you can't remember this, but do you, rem- do you remember the first book that you bought with your own money? So not so much as a gift or as a kid, but first book you bought with your own money. The first book that stands out to me is the first book that I ever like properly fell in love with as a book to the point where it still brings me like so I've read it like so many times since is High Fidelity by Nick Hornby that book just speaks to me <laughs> as a person and I think that's probably where the the love affair with reading started to be honest do you um remember where you got it from that book was it a shop was it online I probably would have got it in a shop I think I reckon I've always spent quite a lot of money on Waterstones, to be honest. Um, I I just think Waterstones is just an amazing bookshop in terms of whenever I walk in there, I come out with so much stuff because it's yeah. all curated so amazingly. Like, you, the, just walking through the door, I'm already like, oh, shit, you got me. <laughs> I am going to pick up so many things in the next, like, half an hour. And that massive foils on Charing Cross Road as well. I have the same kind of feeling when I go into those those places so I feel like for a long time where I lived probably yeah going to places like Basildon <laughs> town centre <laughs> Waterstones or um, Lakeside so probably from there I reckon and do you remember the the cover of of that book because I, I have that book somewhere and but there's different editions different covers can you remember it it's like a yeah it's got like a pair of headphones on the cover and it's like greens and yellows and actually now that you ask me I'm like shit I can't actually remember what the actual picture is on the cover but it I'm sure it's a pair of headphones and I passed it around to loads of different friends as well and it's been around so many different people and it's and it's still kind of found its way back to me which is quite nice I love that idea of sort of passing a book around and it, it kind of it being you know, not necessarily like passed down through generations but just passed around your peer group I think that's really cool it's yeah. the, um, do you know who who did you give it to and, and what kind of response did you get in, ter- in terms of what they thought of it I gave it to my friend Sharni who's also a really big music fan um I think because I just kept going on and on and on about it to the point and I think also because I had no one else to talk to about it so I was like somebody please read this book so I can talk to you about it and then we can both discuss like how much of this person is inside of me <laughs> um as as you know a character uh, as she read it and she loved it I mean, I feel like I do have to say as well that the book hasn't aged in the best way. Like, there are some problematic features of this of Rob, the main character. Like, I'm, I am quite aware that, you know, I don't think if it was written in, you know, 2021, we would probably find some, you know, problematic parts of it as a book. But that being said, I think I just love how self-indulgently sad he is. I just think everyone just loves to be that in their own way sometimes. I do, definitely. And you don't get many books which just do that um, quite so well as I think Nick Hornby did it in High Fidelity. So that's my... Yeah, no, it's a great book. When it was getting passed around, did it was it kind of missing for years and then it finally came back to you or...? I think it was, yeah, it's probably been gone for like a couple of months at a time, I reckon, because obviously 
friends now live kind of in various places around the country. So it often be when I went back to Essex, I would give it to someone and then three months later when we saw each other again, I'd get it back. But also my housemates read it as well. So that was that was in this house. It's quite nice that that copy itself is now something which is probably more special than if I were just to go and pick it up again in a in a bookshop. Yeah, for sure. All those kind of crinkles and tears and want the warmness yeah. of the pages, I guess. Very good first book. I thought it was going to be like Harry Potter or something. Not not judging you, but just general general. But I think when I was a kid and I read like the Harry Potter books, it well my parents would have bought them all, I guess. So if it was yeah. about what I spent with my own money, and I was probably a late reader, I probably was, yeah. It's the same with records, isn't it? Like, you would often have, we'll probably go to that in a minute, but, like, you would often have, like, those really cringy, like, CDs that you ask your parents to buy for you. And then when you finally, like, when you got your first job and you actually, like, earned your own money and you got to go buy things for yourself, that's slightly, slightly <laughs> more mature taste. Not always. Well, that goes actually quite well into my next one. And and as again, not a problem if you don't, haven't got an answer to this, but I just wondered if you had like a story behind a certain book you owned. I don't really feel like I actually talk to that many people about books as well. You know what I mean? So I quite often will read things and it just kind of sits with me rather than it kind of being something which I talk to people on a kind of daily or weekly basis. Um, I mean... The book Submarine, I'm just looking at my bookshelf for inspiration. The book Submarine is a book that I really loved that my ex-boyfriend gave me and I dropped it in the bath and (laughs) he's always asked about getting it back at some point and I'm like, nope, because it is basically mush. But it's a great book, recommend it. But it's the thing, if you dropped a Kindle in the bath, you might have lost your copy. Well, yeah, you'd be buggered, wouldn't you? The paper lives on. You might have read recently that unlike music and films physical book sales have actually stood quite strong against ebooks why do you think that is why do you think people are consistently going back to physical books i think it's it has probably got a lot to do with what we see in music and records is that we kind of entered in like the early noughties but i think like the world was kind of forced into this everything is now going digital. Everyone must migrate over to this new, very online internet way of life. And I think people were kind of forced into that maybe a bit too quickly than they were maybe ready for. And like, you know, the industries wrote off physical products probably a lot earlier than they should have done and didn't give them enough life um, and and as much support as, as what the demand was probably. And then I kind of feel like this longing for physical products especially entertainment and books and music is that you know people have always had emotional connections with these products and it's kind of like I think it's a rebellion against that being forced into everything becoming digital it's it's wanting to see them and feel them and have parts of your identity being in them and it's an emotional connection to these products which you don't get with I guess lots of other things in life. Moving on to music and albums. I mean, uh, Apt, because, well, for those that maybe don't know, you head up Record Store Day here in the UK. One would think you own a lot of LPs, a lot of vinyls. Do you know roughly how many you might own? I think, again, a good few hundred. I think I might be on like five or six hundred. I keep meaning to log them on Discogs. It was going to be my big lockdown project was to put every single one on Discogs and see if I'm sitting on a small fortune. (laughs) 
which I'm probably not. Um, but you never know with records, right? And do you, I mean, how does it work with you? Do, do you go out and buy them or do, do you kind of get sent them? Do you get given them? Um, how, what's the bulk of your collection made up from? It is kind of a mix. I, I buy a lot. I spend a lot of money on records. Um, and obviously it kind of goes without saying that I spend 99% of my record buying in in independent record shops because I'd be pretty hypocritical if I didn't. Uh, so because well when we're working in Soho I always spend a lot of time in Sister Ray, Sons of the Universe, those kind of places. Um, I spend a lot of money on new releases, I think that's where I spend a lot of my money. Um, but then obviously some perks of the job means that you do sometimes get sent some nice records in the post um, and yeah I'm, I'm quite lucky in that respect but equally I spend a lot of money. Do you ever buy them online like buy them on Discogs or eBay? Sometimes if there's a specific record that I'm really struggling to find, the first place I'll go is Discogs and I will try and and find the name of a record shop that I know somewhere that does record store day or that I've spoken to. Um I normally yeah, I normally go to Discogs when it's when it's something which is a bit more rare or older that I can't find. So where do you where do you keep these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of records? Are they all with you now or yeah, there's quite a lot behind me in my room, as you can see. Obviously, the, the listener can't see that. Um, <laughs> I can see a big, big stack. Yes. yes. Most of them are in my room. And then I've got quite a few boxes of singles that live downstairs as well. And we've actually just got a record player in our living room now as well. So we've kind of got the best of both worlds because before I'd always be like, yeah, come in my room and listen to records. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of dotted around the house now, which is quite nice. So now is the record player like a big sort of centrepiece of your living room? Yeah, it is. Like, it's four of us that live here. So we've kind of started, well, I mean, especially in lockdown. I mean, when there's nothing else to do. Our nights now, some weekends kind of revolve around either having a drink and watching a film or having a drink and listening to some records. Um, so that's quite nice. And yeah, it becomes, again, it becomes like, yeah, like you say, the centrepiece of the night which is really nice. So, so when it comes to your record collection and, and, and collecting or just more your general interest, where do you think that comes from? Was that via your parents? Were they big collectors or was this more of a, a, a something you discovered later on in life? Yeah, I think so. My dad has always been a huge music fan and I was definitely brought up on music like the Rolling Stones and Beatles and the Clash and, and artists like that. And I've always been obsessed with music like I love music I collected CDs first obviously being a child of the 90s and cassettes and things and I bought the enemy religiously and Kerrang magazine as I, when I was a teenager I was like obsessed like went to gigs in London when I was like 13 or 14 you know so I always love music and then I think it was I started getting into records really when I I think like a lot of people do like when you discover your parents record collection because I think if you love yeah. music that much and you're so like you just want to be so immersed in it then when you kind of when you've been brought up in the 90s where everything was CD and you know by its nature very compact and smaller and everything was shrinking in size then to see something which was so you see your favourite artist on something which was so incredibly beautifully crafted and the, you know, the 12 inch artwork and, you know, all the liner notes and the lyrics and the pull out posters and the funny little messages from the artists. Like when you're a music fan and you've never had that growing up, it was like, wow, <laughs> why, <laughs> why doesn't everyone still have these? These are like incredible. They're like, and the beautiful pieces of art. Like I remember literally wanting to get out my dad's like David Bowie collection and like, I wanted to stick them, put them up around my wall, like, you know, like posters, you know what I mean? Because the artwork was so, so beautiful. Um, 
And then after that, I thought, very, very lucky. My dad was very generous and he let me take take a lot of his records to start off my collection. And then, yeah, it just kind of went from there. And I wanted to buy all of my own favourite artists. And it's just a bug that you can't stop. For sure. I mean, I can see two vinyls displayed as as like mini pieces of artwork on your wall behind you, much like you would a, a painting or something, right? I think it, it is. They are pieces of art as well, you know, like... It's the visual representation of how an artist wants you to see their music, isn't it? And I think that's incredible as well, like to think about, you know, what the thought process was behind the artist wanting to be represented in this particular way. And I think that's that's kind of a real shame that that's something that is lost in music nowadays. Don't get me wrong, I um, I use Spotify and YouTube and digital services because who doesn't and why wouldn't you? Um, but something that is, I guess, kind of lost for me personally is is the artwork. You know, there's such tiny parts of the of the screen, um, and yet so much thought goes into it from the artists and their teams. It's yeah, it's a shame. Was there any ever was there an album you you once got and then realised maybe something new about the artwork when you had it in that big format? That's a good question. I don't know if there's anything that I've been like overly surprised about i mean there's some like mad creative like artworks especially like back some of the some of the rolling stones ones like the sun girls where you've got like the glow in the dark um like andy warhol-esque like pullouts and things like that which you just think i mean that is so cool you don't see records kind of made like that anymore nowadays um yeah off the top of my head i can't think of like anything that maybe surprised me but i just think it's always i like i just spend a lot of time looking at like that's probably the second most enjoyable part of getting a record isn't it is like sitting and staring at the artwork for a good five minutes and all of the liner notes and- for sure H- have you ever bought a record based solely on the artwork before yeah i have actually it's quite an expensive thing doing that though i don't i don't do it loads because i'm like if it's crap then i'm really you know um but yeah quite a lot of like the old soul motown albums i'll pick up and like the artwork can be can look so cool um, that I'll yeah I'll pick them up and take a kind of punt on them. Um, so what was the last uh, vinyl you bought? Um, the last one would have been. I'm gonna have to just quickly check. No, go and get it out. Yeah, because we can. This is the last one that I bought just before Christmas. It was a Supremes. Where did our love go? And this was a Discogs one because I couldn't find a copy of it anywhere for ages. And then it just came up on my Discogs one day from a record shop, one of our indie record shops. I, I can't remember exactly what one, that's really bad of me. But anyway, um, for like a fairly reasonable price because it, there's not that many of them knocking about. And I think, again, I mean, look at that artwork, it's beautiful. That's awesome. So is that an original or is this a re- reissue? This, I think, must have been quite a, an early reissue, I think, from 1964. Um, but I mean, it's very old. So I'm not really that precious about getting originals. I feel like a lot of people like to dig out like the very first copy of things like that. I'm not really too precious about that. I think I'm quite like, as long as it looks nice and it plays, mm. I'm all right. But how does it smell? That's how you can tell, right? <laughs> it smells, it smells <laughs> dust. It smells old. It has got that old smell. Um, there's a really good Instagram account. I don't know if you follow it, but it's called Things I Found in Records. And it's basically people send in pictures of like, funny notes or letters or drawings or things that people have found like in old record collections 
Yeah. Wow, that's it's amazing. Really nice, like something nice, like love letters that people have written to each other, you know, given records as gifts to each other. And you think those have been sitting in them for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years, completely untouched. And these collections have been sold on. And then, yeah, someone like us finds them and puts them on Instagram. We were kind of leading into this point, but do you maybe see, I mean, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. And I'm sure there's loads of different reasons and thoughts behind you know why we have this interest in vinyls and lps again but do you think one of the reasons is something to do with almost like a bit of a it's kind of a response slash a pushback against the rise of digital i think in a way i think it's what we were talking about with books is that yeah because everything did go so digital so quickly that it, it yeah it is a kind of rebellious act and it is a way of saying you know i still love these physical things i don't want to be forced into having to get rid of them and own things, you know, dig- digitally. Um, but, you know, I think I think a lot of it also, well, from what we've seen in our industry and all the research that we've done is that digital is now driving physical sales. So it, it's not one or the other. It is, you know, 100%. You've listened to something on Spotify that you really love and you, and, and you enjoyed and then you go out and decide that you want to own it because you can't quite get that emotional attachment or that you know that the physicality obviously you just can't get from from having it on your phone um and I think this is what a lot of young people who like people like our age like under kind of 30 who never grew up around vinyl they missed out on that whole experience and I think Mm. when when you discover that there is another way to connect with your favorite artists and another way to support your favorite artists I think that's where vinyl comes into it um and offers that kind of yeah that route to connect with connect with your favorite bands oh for sure definitely yeah um well almost say we're almost finishing up because like i said this is a short and sweet thing yeah but i i did want to um ask about again much like the books if you had any records that had any good stories behind them Uh, i have got one record which always makes me laugh when i think about it actually that i do have a story for this one it's my um so I'm a massive Smiths fan for my sins. I know that Morrissey's an arsehole. I'm not a Morrissey fan. Like, really want to declare that first and foremost. I think he's a prick. Don't. <laughs> okay. Noted. But I do love Johnny Marr. I think Johnny Marr is a hero of our time. I think he's a legend. Got a lot of time for him. Bit of a fangirl. Johnny is excellent. And then when I first started this job at Record Store Day, this is like six years ago now, which is crazy. I think... I must have been really annoying everyone. I just kept on going on and on and on. I think Johnny Mara just got a new album out and I was just banging on about it all the time. We went to go and see him on tour. Went to like Manchester to go and see him on tour, obviously. And then I think, I don't know how this happened, but someone on the team must have been talking to his management or something and basically let on that I was a massive fan. And then I got this parcel in the post arrive really randomly one day. Um picture of his seven inch single and it just said to megan happy birthday love from johnny on the front and it was a single of easy money and i was like what the hell i was like where did this come from i got it in april my birthday's the first of january so it's just kind of like why is johnny marston doing me a birthday record (laughs) (laughs) but also it was the best thing i've ever received and Still to this day, I'm like, tell everyone. That's amazing. It. Is it? Is that just a kind of plain seven inch single or, or did it have a cover on? Yeah, it's got a little on. picture of Johnny on the front of it. That's why I'll send you a picture of it. Um, 
Yeah, pride and joy. Physical Goods is made by me, Andy Nielsen, with music produced by Ventislav Lavev. Artwork created by Matt Pro. Check the links below this podcast to find more information about the books and records that we discussed. And remember, if you can, please do support your local book or record store in their time of need.